introduce myself. My name is Ho. Thanks to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I be the music man's number one supplier. Flying in a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right, Ho. What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode. Football Friday edition of the Amatelica TIS podcast. With your host, yours surely, Jai Shields, here on this Friday, November 11th, the year 2022. Lots to do, lots to discuss here on this uh, program to close out the uh, first full week of the month of November. Uh, it will be all football generated. I mean, nothing really left to speak about as far as baseball season is concerned uh, that warrants any of our time. NBA, the Lakers, the Lakers are into the abyss and their season is going down the uh, drain uh, with every uh, loss, with every waking game day. LeBron James is hurt with a groin injury. Westbrook's coming off the bench, making a positive contribution. Uh, we will not waste your time. Uh, with Laker talk, uh, Mike and the OC, shout out to you with his anger, with his angry uh, Laker spaces. Uh, so we will not discuss Laker basketball. It will be a, a all football program uh, here for you on this November day with uh, baseball now in, now in our rear view mirror. Uh, we'll get to college basketball as the season gets deeper and deeper. I can't get into it. First couple of weeks of the new season. Shout out to Tim Russo with his UConn uh, Huskies. Uh, you know, getting their getting their uh, action started. They got a home game tonight. I do believe. Uh, so shout out and good luck to uh, him. But it'll be a football centric uh, show. I give you a little bit of a state of the union with the uh, 2022 NFL season as we're at the halfway point uh, through the first nine weeks of the season. Week ten preview as always t- uh, picks as well against the spread. I give you a, a two. I give you a little bit of a, a monologue with the uh, with college football, with the uh, college football playoff rankings out, and a little bit of a uh, recap, if you will, of the uh, two big-time SEC games I watched and uh, paid attention to last weekend as we look ahead to another weekend of college football. Uh, here at the top, what I'll do is, uh, and I cannot under any circumstances, waste time, attention, and words and breath Breaking down that disgusting monstrosity that was the Falcons and the Panthers on Thursday Night Football. It's just, when you put the Falcons and the Panthers, the uh, the scum of the NFC South on national television, quote-unquote, if you will, prime video streaming, coast-to-coast, coast, you deserve what you get. If you're prime video, if you're the NFL, and Al Michaels, albeit he's, he's you know, the cream of the crop when it comes to uh, broadcasters, especially in the football realm, this is a guy that did... Uh, Super Bowl 34, one yard short. He did the Manning comeback against the Bucks in 03. Voice of Monday Night and Sunday Night Football worked with John Madden. Did the uh, Seahawks and Patriots Super Bowl Malcolm Butler interception at the goal line? Uh, uh, Super Bowl Forty Three Steelers Cardinals. I mean, I can go on and on and on. The the you know see Patriots Eagles Super Bowl Fifty Two with Nick Foles. This is a guy that has uh, that has broadcasted many a great NFL games in his legendary NFL career, and he's doing Falcons and Panthers. Granted, CBS also wanted to push him out the door because they wanted to give uh, Tariko a chance. 
Uh, but you know, if you're Al Michaels, I guarantee you'd be, you'd rather be in San Francisco doing uh Chargers and 49ers instead of doing the, instead of doing the crap that he's uh, been subjected to the broadcast uh, this season outside of uh, Dolphins and Bengals, but even then it had the Tua situation, and then uh, the first game, the first regular season game that Prime did with the Chargers and the Chiefs. And besides those two games, he's uh, and a little and and Bucket and Bucks Ravens. Not so it was a bad game, but a decent matchup. But you know Al's been been broadcasting a lot of garbage, uh, so we will not waste any of our time. Breaking down uh, the monstrosity of last night's football game, which was a boring, uh, put you to sleep, uh, just a waste of a waste of your damn time, unwatchable football game. So we will not waste any time on that. What we will discuss is uh, is the NFL season here in 2022 at its halfway point, and there are four and there are four things, um, four things that I will break down here. Uh, in terms of in terms of where the sport is heading into week ten this weekend, the first the what the first thing I will address is who are the Super Bowl contenders in both conferences, and you don't have to be a genius, you know, to know who are the Super Bowl contenders through throughout the first half of the season. Okay, we'll do the AFC first, and we'll do the uh, NFC. Uh, we'll do the NFC second. The AFC uh, Super Bowl contenders are Buffalo, Kansas City, the Ravens, the Chargers, which is four, And be only because they were the defending champs, I put the Bengals five. The Jets, albeit they're two, they're six and three. They're not a Super Bowl contender, no matter how many times the cocky, arrogant, and punch drunk Jet fan pounds his chest and J E T S Jets, yes, Jets to the cows come home. Unless something miraculous happens, unless and, and and before we compare this team to the to last year's Bengals, keep in mind Zach Wilson can't hold a candle, cannot hold a candle to Joe Burrow. So let's get that on the board just right out of the gate. And Zach Zach Wilson's no Joe Burrow. I'm sorry. The team has to win the game by running the football and and Zach Wilson touching it as as minimal times as possible. Playoff time, you go up against Mahomes on the road, or Buffalo on the road, or maybe even Baltimore on the road. You're not going. You're not going to be able to get away with that. Ravens stop the run. Okay, Zach Wilson, use your arm to beat us. I again. So all, all be at the Jets two six and three. They they look like they're damn near shoeing guarantee to make the playoffs. They're not a Super Bowl contender in my eyes. Miami Dolphins same thing. I worry about their defense. Uh, which has which has been rather uh, substandard the first half of the season to say the least. And do you trust Tua to take down the likes of uh, Allen, the likes of Mahomes, the likes of uh, I mean he outdueled Lamar Jackson, so you give him that. But Joe Burrow, if they go up against the Bengals in the playoffs, if the Bengals were to win the division, I'd say not. 
so, albeit the Dolphins and the Jets look like they're going to make the playoffs most likely, they're not Super Bowl contenders. Uh, the West, the Denver Broncos are 3-5. and five. They're not making the playoffs, let alone Super Bowl contenders. And everybody knows that even though the Titans are by far the best team in the, NFC, in the AFC South, they're not a Super Bowl contender by any stretch of the imagination. So, you have the Bills, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Bengals. Those are the five teams in the AFC that I can see making a run at winning the Super Bowl. The Bills, obviously, and uh, and all signs are looking towards the fact that they won't have Josh Allen for their game against uh, the Vikings, which would be which is a huge blow uh, for them and the Dolphins, who are six and three right now. If the Dolphins take care of business and beat. Uh, let's look at the schedule here. Week 10, if the Dolphins take care of business and beat the Browns this Sunday and the Bills lose to the Vikings, you know, who's in first, you know, who's in first place in the AFC East, don't you? By virtue of best division record and head to head tiebreaker, it'd be the Miami Dolphins. So it looks like they won't have, not that it means anything as far as them being a Super Bowl contender, but I'm saying in terms of the here and now within the division, uh, no Josh Allen could spell trouble for the Bills in the short term, at least this week, going up against the high-flying Minnesota Vikings, who haven't lost the game since week two. Uh, so, but the uh, Bills, obviously, Allen, high-flying offense. Gabriel Davis, uh, one of the best, one of the best, uh, uh, not the best, but one of the more underrated number two wide receivers in the league. Stephon Diggs is an all-world uh, wide receiver in his own right. And he also had magic. And we'll preview this game later on in the show. But he obviously is great no matter if it's Sam Bradford throwing him the football, if it's Kirk Cousins throwing him the football, if it's uh, Case Keenum or Josh Allen. We know how great of a wide receiver Stephon Diggs is. And the def- and they got a top five, top ten defense in the league, albeit they have having some issues of stopping the run out over the last two games. They got a very good defense, and, it, and the Bills were everybody in their mother's favorite to make it out of the AFC and win the Super Bowl when the season began. Kansas City, who would have thought that, can- that Kansas City would be on the list? And not really be no slight to Kansas City as far as the genius of Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid, but you looked at their you looked at their roster offensively, you looked at your defense, you thought, you know, they they'd be a good team. You know, they'd be they you know they'd be a they'd be a playoff team. But do you really think Kansas City is going to be up there to hold the hold the same water of Baltimore, the uh, the Bengals and Buffalo, not to mention the Chargers and the uh and the uh, and the Denver Broncos within their own division heading into the season, you thought they'd be on the same level. Well, the Broncos stink. The Chargers are good, but they're not as great as everybody thought they were going to be. I know that's hard to say. I know that's crazy to say at five and three, but they got injuries all over the place. Had to cut one of their first round defensive linemen. Uh, yesterday, no J.C. Jackson rest of the season. Keenan Allen hasn't played in God knows how long. So they so and and their and their defense also has problems with uh, with stopping a run. But the Chargers, you gotta. Th- but the Chargers gotta. Th- I, I know I just skipped over Kansas City. I get back to them in a minute. Well, no, I'll I'll stick with Kansas City. Then get to the Chargers. Kansas City with all with with their division not being as great as everybody anticipated. With the with the Raiders being out the lunch, the Broncos let Broncos country let's ride has been a complete and utter farce. 
the Chiefs are still the cream of the crop of the AFC West, albeit with with the Chargers right on their tail at five and three. They're six and two. They are undefeated on the road. This they are un, No, they're not undefeated on the road. They got one loss on the road, one loss at home this season. The one loss at home came against Buffalo, who we all know that that Kansas City at this point in time right now is inferior. Two, although Buffalo's got to beat Kansas City in the playoffs to really uh, make it to make it stick, and they and they also lost to Indianapolis, in which you know Andy Reid, you know, went back to his throwback days with uh, you know pre Mahomes and back to the, his throwback full Reid days of calling fake punts or excuse me fake field goals on four on uh, on on fourth down. Uh, offense is anemic, trying to force the ball downfield. Mahomes with bonehead asinine mistakes, and that being the only loss that Kansas City has had this season on the road against Indianapolis, which at that point in time gave Indianapolis, I believe, their first win of the uh, 2022 uh, season. Uh, so, and then, and then also. Patrick Mahomes and just what an absolutely tremendous talent he is throwing the football. His elusiveness, his mobility, albeit he, albeit me compared to him, looks I run like Tyree Gill compared to him. He's still is he's still an athletic quarterback that is a dual threat in a sense that if you try to blitz him, he's going to uh, if you try to blitz if you're trying to send extra pass rushers and blitz him, he's going to make you pay. He's going to scramble out the pocket, extend plays, look for Juju, look for MVS, look for McCole Harmon, look for Tyree Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey wide open down the field, busted coverage, throw it to him, and he'll end up making you pull your hair out at the uh, as an end result. And then also, he's a, again not the fastest quarterback in the league, but he's athletic, he's elusive, and if the play breaks down and he sees man to man coverage, and nobody's open like he did uh, on a third and long in the second half against Tennessee on Sunday night. He's going to tuck it and and run and get a huge gain and make sure that the play doesn't go in vain and he doesn't end up uh, sacked five, ten yards uh, behind the line of scrimmage. And, of course, Andy Reid, you don't know how great of a coach he is, has his, mo- has his moments. Don't get me wrong. Even with Mahomes, he still has his moments. Of course, championship game, they collapsed. Uh, you, know, the, his, you know, worst coach performance of the season against uh, in their road loss against Indianapolis, of course. Uh, earlier earlier this year, so he has his moments, but he's still a great he's still a great head coach. Got Kansas City to the 18, 19, 20, 21, four consecutive AFC Championship appearances in their own building. So not only have they won, not only have they been to two Super Bowls, back to back AFC champions in in the nineteen and twenty, and won the nineteen championship, uh, but they've hosted. All four, or excuse me, the last four in a row AFC Championship games. Not to mention, if you go back to 2017, it was either 16 or 17. It may be uh, 6, 17. Because if you include 17, that would mean that he's gone five seasons in a row uh, as AFC West champions. Let me double uh, check that here on the fly because, of course, in 17 they had that bad collapse against Tennessee at home in their own uh, in their own building. Yep, 16 he won the division. What are they doing? 15, 15, of course. Okay, Denver, Denver won the division. All right, so from 16 
to 21. That's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. That's six consecutive seasons. So six consecutive times Andy Reid's uh, Kansas City Chiefs team with Alex Smith and now Mahomes have finished atop of the AFC West. Six consecutive AFC West division titles, four consecutive uh, AFC championship games hosted at Arrowhead, back-to-back Super Bowl, Super Bowl appearances, of course, back-to-back AFC champions as a result, and a Super Bowl champion uh, back in the 19. Uh, season as well, knocking off the 49ers down uh, double digits in the fourth quarter against Jimmy G at San Francisco. So we all know how great of a coach Andy Reid is, and you know that his team is uh, biting, is uh, is uh, chomping at the bit to get to a uh, to get back to a uh, another Super Bowl, a, th- a third in the last uh, four seasons. Uh, and and it'll be di- interesting with this because you know nobody expected Kansas City to get back if they end up getting back because of the fact that they lost Tyreek Hill, don't have many weapons on the offensive side of the football. Defense is okay, not at not really not as great as it, no the defense has never been great, but with an with an okay decent defense and not a lot of weapons to work with with Mahomes. On the offensive side, nor can they run the football, and everybody on the Buffalo Bills train, and if not them, loving the Raven, loving uh, the Chargers, loving Denver, loving the uh, Ravens, and then the Bengals a little bit. Not to mention, did with the aftermath of that twenty-one-three. Uh, it was either twenty-one or twenty-four. I think it was twenty. I think it was twenty-one-three. Could be twenty-four. I should know that. Uh, and I was saying on the program at him for Nightum, but now so far back it slips my mind. But the uh, but the second half collapsed against Cincinnati at home when it got stunned. So Kansas City a force to be reckoned with, and a team I'd watch out for to somehow some way find that we're playing in another Super Bowl come February. Uh, that's the second team. Third team, of course, aforementioned uh, was uh, was the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert, who you know has had a has had an okay season, passable season. Not great injuries all over the place. Keenan Allen never plays. J.C. Jackson injured. J.C. Jackson's injured. Their uh, expensive defense went out and paid a fortune for in the offseason. Hasn't been as great as anticipated this year. But the Chargers, and of course Brandon Staley holding them back as well, uh, you know, got away, of course, with the decision in the Cleveland loss. And he's out to lunch many a times. He couldn't pull one of his guys. I believe it was uh, Mike Williams off the field in their week two loss against the uh, against Kansas City when he waved to come out because he was winded. Staley didn't pull him out. Thus he thus uh, he half-assed the route that Herbert calls for him inside the goal line, and it goes back the other way. Turns the game on its ear, and the Chargers ended up losing a game that could end up costing them the, the division. All the way back in week two in mid in mid September, uh, at Arrowhead, the uh, first Thursday night game on Amazon. Uh, so the Chargers team number two, team number three is the uh, team number three Baltimore. Uh, I think I'm going on right. Yeah, the Baltimore Ravens. No, team number four. I apologize. Team number four, Baltimore Ravens. Of course, with Lamar Jackson, Roquan Smith, Justin Houston, who had a career uh, evening on back on uh, Monday night earlier this week against the Saints. Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the team. 
He knows how to. It's just they're never out of it when he is behind. When he's behind center, this team's gotten their act together ever since they're written. And they're riding a three-game lose, a three-game winning streak. Have not lost the game since their implosion at the Meadowlands to the Giants back in mid-October. And it looks like that they are double-digit uh, blown lead, blown losses against the against the, the 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 Bills, against the Dolphins, on the road against the Giants have been a thing of the past. Albeit no Rashad Bateman without for the rest of the season. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was limited in his Ravens debut. Ravens debut Monday night. Uh, coming with a with a bad hamstring, of course. That's what happens when you're 35, 36 years of age, coming off the streets. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards didn't play, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Kenyon Drake, their running back, has done a sensational job uh, stepping in and carrying the load as they're uh, running back throughout the last uh, few weeks. And then, of course, you know, Justin Tucker, automatic kicker, greatest kicker to ever do it. Uh, and, uh, and, and of course, Mark Andrews, who missed Monday night with the shoulder injury when he is on the field, he's as good as any tight end in the National Football League. On top of the fact, the Ravens have a cupcake schedule. Come out the bye. They got, they, uh, matter of fact, I'll read you their schedule, uh, right quick. I'll pull it up here for you. Uh, they got the Panthers coming out of the bye. And then after that, and it's a home game, which does the Ravens, uh, which does the Ravens, uh, wonders. They got the Panthers at home, the Jaguars on the road, then home against the Broncos at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, home against the Falcons, home against the Steelers, and then their toughest road game, so to speak, which if the Bengals run the table as I want them to go 9-0, they could end up. Uh, they could that game can end up meaning something, but that's their toughest game on the schedule, so to speak. Their uh, week eighteen, January eighth, against the Cincinnati Bengals. And speaking of the Cincinnati Bengals, they are team number five, and they're only team number five because they've been there, done that. So by default, you gotta have you have to give them their respect. And of course, Joe. If Joe Burrow's proven anything, is that when he's healthy, when he's behind center, anything's possible with this football team. But like I said on Tuesday, I said again, uh, uh, the abridged version. You're not going to get a trophy. You're not going to be high on anybody's power rankings or or be taken as a big time team in the league. You know, beating the crap out of the NFC South. The bottom line is they're 0 three within the AFC North. They're 0 and two in road primetime games this season. Uh, and they have lost three games to inferior quarterbacks to the likes of Jacoby Brissett, Mitch Trubisky, and Cooper Rush. That's not championship-level football, and if they want to win the division and want to make it back to another Super Bowl, I suggest they not. They, I suggest they go no worse than 7-2 and two and kick ass and take names the rest of the schedule. That means beating the piss out of Pittsburgh coming out of the bye. That means after that, means, uh, after that uh, and I give you their schedule because I don't know it by heart. But beating piss out of beating the piss out of Pittsburgh coming out the bye, then the week after that taking care of business against uh against uh, Tennessee and stopping there De- and stopping Derrick Henry and not and letting Malik Willis look like uh, Steve McNair out there and then beating Kansas City at home. And then, and then taking care of business against uh, against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, taking care of business right after that against the uh, 
um, against the who would they play as my thing is acting up Putting, when beating the Patriots and not letting Mac Jones look like Tom Brady beat Tom Brady and then make sure Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi or whoever the Brian Hoyer whoever is the starting quarterback for the, for New England come Christmas Eve not making him out to be a freaking genius out to be uh, Tom Brady reincarnated and just kick ass and take names the rest of the season beat beat Buffalo in your in your in your house. Beat Cleveland again, and then go from there. Even split against your division the rest of the way. You got two at two, three out of the three uh, divisional games you have remaining. Two of them are at home against Cleveland and against Baltimore. Last game of the season, beat Pittsburgh, split the AFC North, beat up on beat up Tennessee, beat up New England, who are good competitive football teams, but not the juggernauts. Beat them. Take care of the goat. Uh, beat the Chiefs, beat Buffalo. They need to run the table. That's all there is to it. They run the table, win the division, get lucky. Maybe the Ravens fall flat to get a bad call. They collapse again. Who knows? National Football League, you just never know. Uh, you, you know, that's why they play the games. And maybe the Bengals get lucky with a 13-4 and or 12 and 12-5 record. And they uh, a thirteen and four, twelve and five, or eleven and six record, and win the division and get the three seed in the AFC in the AFC uh, playoffs, or get lucky they beat Kansas City and beat Buffalo. Hope they collapse the second half of the season, and, and they may wake up with the one seed. If again take a miracle, it require the Ravens, the Bills, and the Chiefs to to collapse, and the Bengals to essentially not lose another game the rest of the regular season. But anything is possible. Uh, we still got about not eight to nine games left to play in the regular season. And then on the NFC side, the list of Super Bowl contenders is just the slim. The NFC side, you have the, the NFC side. You have the Eagles. You have the uh, Vikings, you have the 49ers, and you have the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. You have the Eagles, the Vikings, 49ers, the Cowboys. Nobody, I understand the GOAT is the GOAT, but the team stinks, and Todd Bowles is not a great NFL head coach. Even if the Buccaneers win the South, if they win a playoff game, I'd be surprised. Uh, the the Seahawks are being in first place. I think they will make the pl- I think they will make the playoffs. I don't see Geno Smith leading them to Super Bowl because because uh, come playoff time, it's about great quarterback play. And do I trust Geno Smith to go into Philadelphia or to go into Minnesota? And out uh, Minnesota, in Minnesota, if they would, if they matched up against Minnesota, could they win? I could see it, but do I think they're better than Philadelphia? I do not. And I think that Dallas Cowboy defense is too much to handle uh, up going up against uh, Geno's. Although, I, although if they do match up in the playoffs, I do like the Seahawks if they end up lucking out and holding on to this first place lead, winning the division. And of course, unless the Eagles collapse the second half of the season, the Dallas Cowboys more likely than not will be a playoff team. I would like the Seattle Seahawks to. I'd like the Seattle Seahawks in that crowd going against Dak Prescott, who does not play well in road playoff games historically in his NFL career. But the NFC Super Bowl contenders: there's five in the AFC. There's only four in the NFC. Four. 
and I'm being nice, including Dallas, because they have a great defense. Tony Pollard is, again, the less of Zeke I see, the better. Tony Pollard is the best running back on the team. And Mike McCarthy, for all the criticisms that he took, and rightfully so after his team embarrassed themselves back in January uh, against San Francisco last season, he's done one of his best coaching jobs I've seen in a long, long time. With all with with the with him essentially already starting the season on the hot seat with Sean Payton breathing down his neck and no Dak Prescott for the you know through the you know for the for the rest of September and all through October and he's done an absolutely sensational job so I give Mike McCarthy credit best coaching job he's done you know in quite some time Micah Parsons and that defense is is elite is elite. And they can run the football. The problem is what is their quarterback and the lack of wide receiver talent. But I'm being nice, nice, including Dallas. But the three juggernauts are the Eagles, the Vikings, the 49ers. And the 49ers of that football team, hell, they proved it last season where they don't have to win the division to get to a Super Bowl. They were the wild card team. They they were a wild card team. They beat Dallas in the opening round. They beat they embarrassed Green Bay at Lambeau and came within an eyelash of beating the Rams with a home field advantage at at uh, on the road at SoFi. And they also have one of the more complete teams in the league. Fantastic defense, fast defense, playmakers unlike Dallas all over the place on offense. The problem is Jimmy G, Dak Prescott. Put your life on the line, you flip a coin. You, I, me personally, would take Jimmy Garoppolo, but the margin isn't as large as, as one would like it to be. And, of course, the Eagles, albeit they stepped walked through their win against Houston, and they have a tendency to not finish off opponents and let them linger. 8-0 is 8-0. Great defense, secondary, leading, leading the universe in interceptions, they, 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 and they got, and AJ Brown is just the beast. And then Jalen Hurts is having an MVP caliber season. And then you'd look ahead to the Vikings, where essentially, you know, they haven't skipped a beat since they lost to the aforementioned Eagles in week two on Monday Night Football. Kirk Cousins has looked like, uh, has looked like a Fran Tarkington since he played like crap in their week, in their week two loss. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Had they haven't, their defense isn't great, but they played, but they played pretty well. And like I said on the Wednesday night tailgate show on uh, on Wednesday, you can hear me on Spotify Live with uh, with Mike Ruick and the fellas. You know, you would like Justin Jefferson to not go an eight week streak without scoring a touchdown, but the fact they're able to win games and score points without him scoring touchdowns personally. It's a positive sign just as much as it is a negative sign. And they're running away with the NFC North. And you know that they make the playoffs, and if the Eagles you know, lose two games and can't make them up and the Vikings just keep on winning, it'd be a tough environment to go into Minnesota and beat the Vikings on the road in that building. Be tough. And Kevin O'Connell, my coach of the year pick, I tell you, if it wasn't for Brian Dayball and Robert Sala's success with the Jets and the Giants, 
he'd be running away with that award just as much as his team is running away with the NFC North because he's done an absolutely sensational job with that football team this year. Sensational. Anyone else on the beginning? I did Dallas, Eagles, Vikings, 49ers. Okay. So those are your nine Super Bowl contenders in both conferences. What teams are dead heading into uh, – what teams are dead at the halfway point in the season? Pittsburgh is dead, 2-6. and six. Matt Canada deserves to go. They traded Clay, Chase Claypool at the trade deadline. They have no running game. Najee Harris all of a sudden is shot or is going through a sophomore slump of some sorts in the sophomore season. Kenny Pickett has promised but is going through growing pains right now as a rookie starting quarterback in the National Football League. Uh, they're getting T.J. Watt back for their game for their game this week, but I mean he gives them a fighter. He gives them a fighter's chance in any game, but you, but they don't have any playmakers to speak of on offense this year. This and their two and their uh, three losses away from Mike Tomlin during his first losing season as a uh, as an NFL uh, as an NFL head coach. And if you look at their schedule. It would appear that they, that Mike Tom is going to get those is going to lose uh, uh, at least nine, ten, eleven games this year. They got Cincinnati. They got Cincinnati after this week against the Saints. They still have to play the Ravens twice, and uh, and and even wow. Well, they have winnable games, and they could if the Ravens don't show up and the Bengals bungle and the Browns are the Browns. They could end up somehow somewhere finishing above 500, so it's not impossible. But I look at it this way. If they lose to Cincinnati Week 11, which I pray to God that they do, and get swept by the Ravens, they're your three losses right there. Granted, they have the Raiders, and they got the Panthers, and they got the Falcons and the Colts, but they're your three losses right there. Two to Baltimore, one to Cincinnati, or two to Baltimore and one to Cleveland, and they're your three losses. And it's because they're already sitting in last place with uh, with a two and six record. So Pittsburgh is dead. The Jaguars obviously are dead. I'm really surprised at the start that they've gotten to the season. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has not played great whatsoever. Has not has had some really bad games uh, this year. Travis Etienne, who can be a hell of a town in the National Football, he's got to cut down on the fumbles, which has been an Achilles heel. I mean, they've lost, they've they've had some bad losses this year. They a, te- they, a terrible loss to the Broncos over in London. Uh, they had z- they uh, they lost the last second to the Giants. They came up short. The they lost. They can beat the piss out of the Colts in Jacksonville, but they can't beat them in Indianapolis. They lost to them. They lost to the Texans for crying out loud, in which their offense didn't show up. Thirteen six. Uh, bad. They, in week one, they fell short to Washington. So the Jet so the Jaguars, a team who I thought was going to, you know, with a seven and ten, eight and nine respectable record in the AF in the uh in the AFC, they're sitting at three and six. The Colts, of course, obviously are a lost cause for the season. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor's been hurt as of late. Of course, they fired uh Frank Reich earlier at the beginning of the week, brought in Jeff Saturday. Their season is on a deathward spot or nowhere. Quite a few people, me included, picked them to win the division, thought the Matt Ryan experiment, uh, experiment would work. It obviously has not. And the Tennessee Titans are running away with the AFC South. The Texans stink, and ain't much more to say about them. That team is a lost cause, about to get the number one pick in the draft. 
Looks like it, the Denver Broncos have been a complete and utter waste of time. Nathaniel Hackett's in over his head, has no clue how to control a game clock, manage a game. Play calling, completely lost at the head coaching position, but I could have told you that after September. And Russell Wilson is looking like he's riding the, the uh, wash train with uh, with Aaron Rodgers and prior to his comeback last week, Tom Brady, who's just been absolutely awful to begin the 2022 uh, NFL season. Missing wide open receivers left and right, holding on to the ball too long, incomplete passes, uh, the turnover, you know, interceptions. It's just a horrendous season for Russell Wilson, his first year at the Denver Broncos, which they traded a, a King's ransom to get him and gave him the bank to keep him there for the foreseeable future. And the Broncos may have buyer's remorse going off of how he's performed the first half of the 2022 NFL season and the Raiders which we touched on on Tuesday why the Raiders went out of the way to skin the New England Patriots and bring on that fraud that hack Josh McDaniels the head coach their football team I never understand not they don't have a very good defense Derek Carr is passable and average at best uh, and uh, you know and they too many and Devontae Adams you know rarely in their times where he where there's dry spells where he doesn't get the ball thrown in his direction not to mention Darren Waller the tight end never plays always hurt always injured and you know and they lose lose games to teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars and of course the blown leads to Arizona the blown leads to Kansas City and of course the aforementioned blown lead they had last week to the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. Uh the NFC the NFC East uh there's really no team dead in that division. The the Commanders could be the odd ones out simply because of the fact that it looks like right now that you'll get two teams make it out the to make the playoffs out of the West, San Francisco and the San Francisco and the Seahawks and three teams will make it out of the East. So the Cowboys and the Giants, as things stand right now, are wild card teams. Are wild card teams one and two? San Francisco was wild card team uh, number three, and which means the Commanders sitting at four and five are the odd ones out in the NFC playoff picture. With the Eagles, of course, as things hold right now, winning the division. So nobody in NFC East is dead. That includes the Commanders. The chances are odd man out uh, with how competitive the East has been. Uh, to a nice change of pace in the fact that Seattle Seahawks have had an impressive season this year and already with six wins, unless they collapse, they look like they're going to hold serve and at least make the playoffs if they don't end up winning the division and they lead uh, San Francisco by about a game and a half in the NFC West. In the South, only one team's making the playoffs out of that division, and that's whoever finishes first, which looks like as of now, with the Falcons' loss on Thursday night last night, that'll be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And speaking of the NFC South, Falcons are dead. Mariota stinks. It's enough of seeing him as a starting quarterback in the NFL. So the Falcons are dead. The Saints are dead with Andy Dalton. <clears throat> No Michael Thomas, of course, the rest of the season. They are not running the football very well, and their defense has ha has had a traumatic fall from grace compared to what it was about the last few seasons ago. Uh, they, you know, they had their moments against Lamar Jackson and Ravens, but really were outclassed in their Monday night loss earlier this work week. Uh, and the Carolina Panthers, of course, with P.J. Walker, could have had an opportunity to go in first place. 
had not DJ Moore thrown his helmet and Eddie Pinheiro not, you know, was able to make a couple of kicks, they would have been in first place in the NFC South at least for about a, a few days. And who knows where things would have stood uh, with that division. So the Falcons are dead. The Saints are dead. The Panthers are dead. Uh, and in the West, the Cardinals are dead with Kyler Murray, and who's fumbling football all over the place. Uh, and boy, do the Cardinals have buyer's remorse. At least they should, but it's on to their own damn fault for giving, hitching their wagon to those two overrated frauds in, in Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, who are not elite head coaches or, and starting quarterbacks in the league under any any set of circumstances. The Cardinals only three within a division, three and six. They stink. They're dead. We put the kibosh to them. The Rams had a chance to ride their to ride the wave of their season and then go to three and five and somehow save it. Their their season is on life support, but I'll take them off life support before they have an opportunity to kill themselves. One and two within a division. They're three and five this season. Uh, with that horrendous loss, as we discussed on Tuesday to Tampa, uh, and then uh, and then they got their teeth smashed in by San Francisco, getting swept by them, and they lost to Dallas 22-10 in week in week five, and got punked by the uh, Buffalo Bills week one in their own building 31 to 10. So the Rams are dead, the Cardinals are dead, three out of the four teams, the Falcons, Saints, Panthers, and the South are dead. The Lions are dead. I expected more out of them. Two and six. I thought the team was going to be at least six and eleven, seven and ten. The hard knocks karma with Dan Campbell. Uh, it's just underwhelming season from the Detroit Lions. Their defense can't stop a damn thing unless it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, the Bears. Uh, we all know the Bears weren't going anywhere, but they've had a decent season, entertaining season to say the least. But of course, they automatically are dead, and the Packers are dead. <clears throat> Heading into their 425 game of the week against Dallas, hosting Dallas at Lambeau Field. They got it. They, <clears throat> my God, my throat wearing dry. They're three and six. I understand they have an opportunity to be five and six, win two games in five days if they beat Dallas and then beat Tennessee on Thursday night. But they, but they're not. If Derrick Henry has his way, the 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 Green Bay Packers are going to lose that game. It's just they're all there is to it. I understand it's a home game Thursday night at Lambeau, but the Titans are going to win that game, and they're and the Dallas Cowboy defense is just going to make Aaron Rod. If he thought last week was bad against Detroit, he's in for a week of living or Sunday of living hell up against Dallas coming up on Sunday. They're three and six. They stink. Lafleur is overrated. No play, no pass catchers, no elite wide receivers on offense. Aaron Rodgers doesn't try to make him better. He just screams and yells at him. Throws fits, uh, gets defensive toward you know gets defensive in his little weekly soliloquies with Pat McAfee. Throws his teammates underneath the underneath the bus. Doesn't try to make his teammates better. And the defense, which I thought was going to carry them with Aaron Rodgers' presumed and past greatness, carry them to win the NFC South. Defense very overrated. And Aaron Rodgers, his career coming off of back-to-back MVP seasons, he's hit the wall. Uh, and, of course, none bigger than his disgusting performance at Ford Field on Sunday. So the Packers are dead, the Bears are dead, the Lions are dead, the Falcons, the Saints, the Panthers, the Rams, and the Cardinals are dead. And the Seahawks and the Giants are playoff teams that are Super Bowl contenders. The Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, Cowboys, Chiefs, Chargers, 
Ravens, Bengals, Bills are your Super Bowl contenders. And the surprising teams and surprising performances, uh, obviously your surprising uh, teams this year have uh, the surprising teams, of course, are the Jets at 6-3. and three. Uh, every this is a season that every fan dreamed of, but but couldn't see happening. And of course, they're they're horrendous beginning to the season, losing week one and getting dominated by Baltimore, uh, losing in week uh, three to the Bengals, twenty seven. They were one they were one and two heading into week four against Pittsburgh, and they have not looked back since. Wrote a four had a four game winning streak. Beat Pittsburgh by four, come from behind, beat the piss out of a two-less Dolphins team, beat the uh, and dominated the Packers at Lambeau, beat the Broncos in a defensive slugfest. Sands Russell Wilson was brought back to earth a little bit, losing to Belichick again, but then bounced right back against the AFC's best team, Buffalo, and held the Bills to 17 points heading into their bye week. Coming out of the bye week, they got the Patriots, they got the Be- they got the Bears. Tough to they can get get back at the Patriots again, lay up against the Bears at least so we think, Uh, and then a tough game against the Vikings, Bills again, the Lions, the Jaguars which are easy, and Week 17 against Seattle which is a difficult game, and Week 18 against the uh, Miami Dolphins. So it's a tough schedule, but it's not impossible. Tough. But not impossible. And with six wins, you'd figure ten and seven, you know, would be good enough for them to make the playoffs. And can I find them four wins? The Lions, the Jaguars, that's two. The Bears would be three. And they'd have to take care of business against either the Patriots, the Vikings, or the Seahawks. Or even the Dolphins last week in the season, so they have six wins. So could can they get four to make the playoffs? I say they can. So they are obviously a surprising team. Dolphins are to a certain degree, and this kind of falls into surprising performances. This is how Tyree Kills continue to set the world on fire and has made Tua look like uh, the second coming of Dan Marino. The I mean, he's out he's out gaining teams. And receiving yards this season has been—he's been so damn good. Uh, the uh, and then of course the Chiefs, which kind of falls into what we brought up at the beginning of the monologue, how they've been able to perform so well without uh, without Tyreek Hill. That's been a surprising. The Broncos have been surprisingly bad, as we've discussed. Uh, the Vikings have been surprisingly. I I knew they're going to be good, but seven and one. My goodness gracious. They've been a surprising team. Packers surprisingly bad, as we've mentioned. Eagles eight and zero, surprisingly good. Uh, the Cowboys and their and their ability to, to sustain success without Dak Prescott has been uh, has been very good. And of course, the Giants, who unlike the Jets, don't have a lot of great playmakers on the offensive and defensive side of the football. They're very inferior roster wise to a lot of the uh, top teams across the National Football League. But it just goes to show you how much a difference a healthy Saquon Barkley makes and a credible, competent superstar head coach that Brian Dable is. Because he's done an absolutely sensational job with the Giants. Who would have thought the Jets and Giants would be sitting at 6-2 and two and 6-3 and three in, in early November? I sure as hell didn't. But you give them tremendous credit as well. The Bucks being so bad. 
with a, with a bad offensive line, uh, and no cohesion with Brady and his wide receivers. He misses the hell out of Gronk. Julio Jones has been banged up. Uh, Mike Evans hasn't had a memorable season to speak of. They can't run the football with Leonard Fournette, and their defense has uh, fallen off. Uh, that has fallen off significantly. Uh, over the last season as well, and uh, and then the Seattle Sea, the Rams have been bad as we obviously had mentioned. Same issues with Tampa; they can't run the football. Bad offensive line, and if it isn't Cooper Cup, who the hell is Matthew Stafford going to throw the ball to? Because the damn sure ain't going to be Allen Robinson, who they traded for, and uh, and Matthew Stafford is getting knocked on his ass left and right. And albeit they got a lot of superstar talent and a lot of firepower with Cup and Ramsey and Donald. The rest of the positions that they took money away from, you know, it's 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 reared its ugly head. They went out and got Bobby Wagner, but then everybody else, you know, it's chicken scratch. So, you know, when they put all of their money to sign the superstars, it leaves little money left to fill in the gaps with all the other positions. And in the Seahawks, six and three record, first place through the first few through the first two and uh, two week, two months and a week in November of the season, which is hard to believe with Geno Smith, who's had a renaissance, uh, was start taking a starting role, winning it from Drew Locke in training camp, filling the shoes of Russell Wilson. Kenneth Walker has been out of the worldly this season, a rookie running back. Their rookie players on defense have stepped up in a tremendous way. And oh, by the way, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf aren't bad either. Wide receive wide receiving targets to uh, to throw to. And then everybody in America knew the Cardinals were going to be bad because again, Kyle Murray and Cliff Kingsbury have been one of the more overrated quarterback and and head coach combinations that the league has seen in a hot minute. So there's your State of the Union. Didn't anticipate being bit being 49 minutes, but the rest of the show will go by in a flash, I promise. Take a break. We'll get to the college football. This is the Amitelica Tia's podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelka um, TIS podcast. 
eight years ago on Thursday, that song, yeah, Thursday, that song, in my opinion, the greatest song of all time, Uptown Funk, turned eight years old. But we turn our attention to a little bit of uh, college football with the uh, college football playoff rankings coming out uh, just a few days ago. Run them, uh, run them by you here right quick and let's have a conversation uh, on these college football rankings. You got Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4, all four of those teams with a 9-0 and record. Tennessee outside looking in at number 5, 8-1, Oregon 8-1. At number six, LSU at number seven, seven and two, having knocked off Alabama on Saturday night. Uh, USC number eight, aforementioned Alabama at number nine, and Michigan knocked all the way down to ten with an eight and one, uh, with an eight and one record. And UCLA eight and one for you, Mike and Mike and EOC at number twelve, Mississippi eight and one, number eleven. Uh, let me just give a couple of uh, two cents on that. I'll do. Let's do Clemson first because they're easy, and we can beat up on uh, on Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, who's not one of my uh, favorite people uh, in the sports world. But for Clemson to be ranked number four heading into last weekend's slate of games was was was, was just offensive. It was offensive and insulting, and I'm not. A die, and I don't consider myself to be a die-hard uh, college football fan like a like you know like like the you know the, you know who the diehards are uh, to be consider myself to be a die-hard college football fan. Of course, I'm a football fan, and college football D one A you know is where I'm at when it when I want to uh, when I'm want to watch uh, college sports. But for them to be ranked number four heading into last weekend was a disgrace. I mean. And it, and it served Clemson and it served the committee right for them to get their doors blown off and get uh, embarrassed by uh, by Notre Dame at South Bend on Saturday night, 35-14. And that quarterback, I'm sorry, how he pronounced his name, U-I-Gelalele, uh, whatever his name is, has boy, he has not been able to fill the shoes of Trevor Lawrence very well. He is a very, very bad quarterback was 27 to 39, 191, one touchdown, one interception was pick six. He has the, he is not a, he is not going to end up uh, at top of a, of a lot of uh, draft boards uh in the national foot in the National Football League uh when his time comes. Uh, he's had, you know, his bad performance against Syracuse, 13 to 21, 198, two interceptions against Syracuse on the 22nd of October. I mean, they I mean in that in that week, a week, week, week. A A C C that was the one of the worst uh, conferences of college, one of the worst college football conferences in the nation, and Clemson was ranked number four essentially because of Dabo Sweeney and because of uh, history and and past. I mean, I tell you, I cannot wait. People lament the twelve team, the twelve team playoff. Well, I can't wait for it because I am so sick of of the political logistic uh foolishness games that that you know that are played when it comes to putting when it comes to putting these top 4 best college football teams to play for a championship open it up the 12th place let open it up the, more than 12 I would think it, I would think it'd be a little bit too much 12 is fine I would take 6 I I would t- I would under I would take 6 Eight, I would get ten, but twelve is fine. Uh, but 
you know, I mean, look at the look at the teams that that that, that Clemson has played this year. I mean, they they beat up Georgia Tech, okay, big whoop. They 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 beat uh they beat Furman thirty five to twelve. I mean, really, uh, Louisiana Tech, uh, game number three forty eight twenty. Wake Forest was ranked twenty one at the time, and they had to go to double OT to beat them. Uh, they they beat uh, NC State by ten. They beat up on Boston College, beat Florida State by a touchdown, and uh, and were and got were blessed blessed to beat Syracuse twenty seven twenty one on September on back on uh, October twenty second. And they get I mean that's not exactly a uh, a, a that's not a, a a gauntlet of a schedule going up against Louisiana Tech, Furman, Georgia Tech. Uh, Florida State, who they barely beat. I mean, that's not an impressive schedule. What you want me to go wax poetic about twenty first ranked Wake Forest, or the fact that they uh beat fourteen ranked Syracuse? I mean, it barely with some with a little help from the uh, good old stripes. I mean, come on, it's just if for them to be ranked number four, and then they went out there and put on that disgusting, disgraceful performance at South Bend. Good, good for Dabble Sweden. Gave him some, give him, gave him something to think about. They couldn't run the football. They got ran rampant by Diggs and S and S team, who combined ran for over two, for who combined ran for two hundred and. 18 yards on them on Saturday night, and their defense gave up 263 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Got ran out of the building on uh, Saturday night at South Bend. That's the first thing I took uh, that I wanted to bring that up. Uh, but busy with the World Series last week, so I didn't have time. But I'll bring it up and kind of use it to recap their loss to uh, their loss to Notre Dame uh, last Sunday. Uh, LSU, what a sensational job they have done. They got off to a rocky start uh, to begin the season, and they've had a couple of impressive uh, wins since I give their win loss here. Uh, give you the, or their win losses a uh, seven and two, but I give you their rundown of the season and, and recap the Alabama game quickly in a minute. And Brian Kelly for his goofiness, for his quirkiness. His inauthenticity at times, I give him tremendous credit. They lost the game to Florida State, and they came into the season unranked. First off, let's just get that right out the right out the gate uh, to start off. They were unranked to begin the season, and unranked through the first month of the season in September. They lost the heart. They lost the game in heartbreaking fashion. Week one, the Florida State. They were able to march down. They were able to uh, to capital. They were able to capitalize off of off of back to back Florida State fumble. They were able to capitalize off of uh, off of uh, two Florida State fumbles and were able to march down the field. And they were down twenty four ten. March down the field fifteen plays seventy five yards, making twenty four seventeen. Florida State got the Florida State got the ball back. Got the ball back. Were able to do nothing with it. Three plays, twenty yards, had the punt, and then Nate and then Malik Neighbors, their punt return man, muffed the punt, recovered by uh, Brandon Gant of Florida State. So they coughed up a possession. It was like, okay, well you had one last chance to march down the field and tie the game, and then you blew it. Florida State gets the ball right back. Three plays. Three plays, seven yards. They coughed the ball up at the. They coughed the ball up at LSU's one yard line. 
to give uh, to give uh, LSU a fighter's chance and with uh, with about 120 to go in the fourth quarter. It marched down the field, 11 plays. The length of the field, 11 plays, uh, take up 80 seconds. Jaden Daniels come, orchestrates a Joe Burrow-esque drive, gets them all the way down the field, and they score a touchdown to uh, Jare Jenkins. Uh, Jare Jenkins to bring themselves within a point, and Damian Ramos gets the, or not his fault necessarily, but LSU's piss-poor special teams, which was, which, which was a disgrace with the muff punt earlier earlier about a few sequences going that game they climb all the way back march down the length of the field 24 23 for the state kick your field goal go to go to overtime they get the extra point blocked heartbreaking loss to florida state to begin the season down at the uh, superdome and they march right back and they win one and they win one two three four games in a row Heading into their uh, matchup against at the time ranked number at the time ranked eighth uh, Tennessee on October the eighth, get their doors blown off forty to thirteen. Absolutely get taken to the cleaners by the tremendous by the uh, tremendous talent that is uh, by the tremendous talent that is their their running back uh, small who ran for 127 yards on 22 carries and two touchdowns and McCoy led the team in receiving with seven receptions 140 yards. Uh, they couldn't stop the run, and in turn, LSU couldn't run the couldn't uh, run the football, and were ran out of uh, Baton Rouge for the thirteen loss. They bounced back the next week, beat Florida by ten. They beat uh, all they 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 old numbers at the time number seventh ranked Old Miss. Lane Kiffin's crew comes into Death Valley. They beat them by twenty five forty five twenty. On uh, that was back on October. The and that was back on October the twenty second, about a few weeks a few weeks ago. They get the attention of the committee. Oh, look at this! They beat off a big bad. Uh, they beat off. They knock off big bad Ole Miss. Then they head into the Alabama game. Alabama, who's struggled all season long, penalties all over the place, undisciplined defenses had a defenses had a down year. Secondary isn't that good. And they and they somehow, some way, find a way to beat Alabama at Death Valley, where both teams couldn't couldn't score a lick through the first through the first quarter, and uh, and they and they were coming from uh, they were down nine uh, seven, and they never looked back in the game. Down nine seven, they would have marched down the field, eleven plays, seventy five yards, score a touchdown, go up fourteen to nine. Uh, Alabama punts, LSU punts. They score. Alabama gets the ball back, scores a touchdown, takes the lead, four, 15-14. LSU marches down the field, kicks a field goal, 17-15. And then uh, and uh, Alabama gets the ball back again, goes up 21-17. LSU responds 24-27, 24-21 with the touchdown. Alabama kicks a field goal to tie the game up at 24 apiece. And then LSU, and an LSU, Gets the and then LSU gets the ball, marches down the field. Jaden Daniels, a sensational job. He's 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 done. Uh, he's done getting his, with his team fighting back. Twenty-two of thirty-two, one eighty-two, two touchdowns, no interceptions. It ran the ball tremendously as well. Eighteen carries, ninety-five yards to the ground, a touchdown run. And who of all people, Mason Taylor catches not only the uh, not only the uh, the the touch the touchdown pass, which in in response in overtime, in response to overtime to uh, to uh, 
Alabama scoring. Not only does he catch a touchdown pass, he catches a two-point conversion to win it on a similar play that Tom Brady uh, scored the uh, game-winning touchdown pass in their game against the Rams on Sunday the next day to Otten, his tight end. Similar little drag route. The tight end ran out of shotgun inside the red zone, catches it, sticks the ball out, sticks the ball out, touch touchdown, later two-point conversion. Uh, obviously, two-point conversion play of which in which Mason scored that was similar to Otten and LSU Stills game. Instead of kicking the extra point and forcing a uh, and forcing double overtime, he they he uh, doesn't opt to kick the extra point. Going back to the L going back to the Florida State loss all the way back in week one Labor Day weekend, Brian Kelly says screw the extra point. If we're not going for it, we're not having we're not after all of this. We're not fighting all the way back, having our heart broken heart broken again with. Poor special teams will go for the jugular. Saban, Alabama will go for the jugular. Go for the two point conversion. They win 32 31. And heading into their game this week against Arkansas, the seventh ranked team in the country. And Alabama essentially would, 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 would require a miracle for them to uh, make it into the college football playoff. Currently ranked right now at number excuse my screen is acting up here the technology dopey ipad uh is currently ranked at number nine at seven and two so with two losses it pretty much coup de gras for alabama this season and their chances of of uh of winning a national championship tennessee of course they had the great win against alabama at rocky top undefeated Battle of the Undefeated, 8-0 versus 8-0, heading into Georgia last sun, last Saturday, and Stetson Bennett and that joy and that elite Georgia defense took uh, Hyatt, took uh, and took a Hooker, the start the starting quarterback who's had a great season, took him to the cleaners, couldn't couldn't score a lick on offense, and even when and even when things went Tennessee's way, of course how some how some way it wasn't a safety with the fumble recovery in the end zone. The Tennessee somehow gets a break. They punt out at the back of the end zone. Georgia gets the ball, what, one, two plays? March down the field and, 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 and scores a touchdown on the ensuing drive. So even when things went Tennessee's way against Georgia on Saturday afternoon down in Athens, Georgia somehow away took lemons and made lemonade out of it, which just goes to just the, the, the type of season they're having. Stetson Bennett's playing out of, out of his mind. This year in Georgia, by far, best team in the country. Ohio State, Michigan, 9-0, 9-0. Winner of that, you know, the winner of that game, it looks like it could end up being the the uh, Big Ten representative uh, to make the college football playoff. There are two teams right now from the Big Ten in the, C in the CFP. Uh, compared to last week, we had two SEC teams with Georgia and Tennessee. Two eight two Big Ten teams, Michigan, Ohio State, both at nine and zero. TCU's crept their way in at nine and zero. They're the fourth ranked. Tennessee, who is currently sitting at eight and one, is at number five. Oregon is uh, Oregon is eight and one with Bo Nix, the transfer, who does who historically does well when he's got nothing on the table. But in the past, you know, when a little, put a little pressure on him, and uh, and he and he begins to uh, to uh, collapse. Under the pressure. Let me, before we end the segment and turn our attention back to the NFL, let me see if I can get you the uh, Big Ten, uh, the Big, the or not the Big Ten, the uh, SEC standings right now, because it'll be interesting. 
let's see. The Georgia is 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 first place in the SEC East at nine and zero. Tennessee is at eight and one. Okay. So and the and the West is out of and the West and LSU was leading the West at seven and two over Ole Miss, who is currently eight and one with the four and one record within the conference. Alabama four and two record within the conference, seven and two record this season. So if the basically, folks, the on, the way for you get two SEC teams in is if. Uh, LSU beats if LSU or Alabama or even Ole Miss for that matter, although they got to leapfrog quite a few teams. But let's just do LSU first. LSU, I believe, I'm not positive, but I believe if they were to make the CFP, they winning, they would win the West and beat Georgia. I think that would get them in. Because I think because you it'd be hard pressed to think unless Georgia collapses. If Georgia, you know, is perfect up to the championship game and loses to uh, say LSU, you what you would you would take Georgia out, you kick Georgia out. I understand LSU's got two losses, but you but you would would you take them out? But I would think that if Georgia wins the SEC. And would Tennessee make it? Four and one record in conference. They have the one loss. If you were to take two SEC teams, would you take Tennessee at number five? And if you look at Tennessee's schedule, they got Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. So there's a good chance, you know, they go nine and one, ten and one, eleven and one. Would you take them? I think I would. Because up until sat up until Saturday afternoon, they've been the second best team in the SEC and one of the best teams in the country up until up until uh, they lost against Georgia on Saturday. And you think the loser of Michigan and Ohio State would be out because you know Big Ten football outside of those two. I mean, you, 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 the the cliff but the margin between Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, the third best team in that conference, it's significant. All Penn State's ranked all the way at fourteen, and they have two losses on the season. South Carolina, UC, USC, excuse me, UCLA is also in play too, and those two eventually match up against each other. They could find their way in it as well, and then TCU out of the Big Twelve. At nine and zero, which is very interesting. Very interesting college football. And could have and think about it. And if the were to apply the future format to now, you would have two Pac-12 teams. No, three Pac-12 teams make UCLA, USC, Oregon. You'd have one, two, three, four. Five SEC teams make it: Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, uh, Ole Miss, and Alabama. One ACC team make it in Clemson, and two Big Ten teams make it in Michigan, in Michigan and Ohio State. Fascinating. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how these uh, rankings uh, clear out. As far as the action coming up on Saturday. You got Alabama and Ole Miss, the big game or the big SEC game of the week on CBS at three thirty. 
Uh, and besides that, I mean, not a great schedule. UCF and Tulane, 22 versus 17, if you care, on ESPN2. Oregon taking on Washington, ranked number 6, at 7th on Fox, if that tickles your fancy. CCU and Texas, so you got one, two, three good college football games that have CFP significance. Ohio State, Indiana is the big noon Saturday game of the week for Fox, but Indiana stinks, so that game will be over you know, before you know it. Ohio State, I believe, over the over the last week, set the record uh, for the most consecutive games with scoring 20 or more points. So you know they'll take care of business against Indiana coming up on Saturday. Take a break. Get the Week 10 of National Football League. This is the I'm Telling TIS Podcast. Welcome back to the I'm going to tell it like a TIS podcast. Switching gears back now to the NFL, Week 10 of the National Football League. Five games to choose from. Poor CBS got uh, given a bad hand with the... uh, Got given a bad hand with their slate of games. See, real quick before I get through uh, the Week 5 games, because there's five of them I want to give... Every uh, every game is significant. Do here without being too long winded. Uh, CBS got a bad got a bad uh, slate with the games. Check Jag when they got to send Tony Romo and Nance and the crew to do Jaguars Chiefs as their best game. The one in the one o'clock window because they don't have the uh, four twenty five double dip this week week time. They got to send her to do Chiefs and Jaguars. That's that just goes to show you that, that that the CBS slate of games is not that good. Jaguars and Chiefs, the A game for uh, for CBS uh, at one. That's at Arrowhead. Browns and Dolphins. Uh, Browns and Dolphins. Uh-uh, uh uh. With Jacoby Brissett. Texans and Texans and Giants. It's Daniel Jones and David and Davis Mills. Albeit the Giants are very good. And I think going to make the playoffs. The quarterback matchup isn't all enticing, albeit the, the you have Lawrence and uh, Mahomes just kind of balances itself out. Uh, Broncos and Titans. Russell Wilson and and uh, and uh, is uh, let me is Ryan Tannehill playing this week? Let me see. 
Um, let me see, let me see, let me see. Ryan Tannehill, is he playing? Uh, let me see. Full practice on Thursday, he is questionable. So even then, Ryan Tannehill versus Russell Wilson isn't a great matchup. It's okay, it's not great. Colts and Raiders, I mean, why would you want to watch that unless you want to see Jeff Saturday coach his first game? CBS got a bad hand with their uh, with their Sunday NFL games. Jaguars, Chiefs, Browns, Dolphins, Broncos, Titans, Tit Texans and Giants and Colts and Raiders. I mean, that's not oh, I put it like this, the five games I'm about to break down, you won't find them on CBS. They're not they're not going to be telecasted on on a CBS airwaves. I just put it to you like that. Uh their games next Sunday on the 20th, little better a uh, little better um, with, uh, well, are they a little better? Well, they got Cowboys and Vikings, the 425 game. Bengals still is a rivalry as well at that same time. And Jets and Patriots isn't too shabby. So they got a little bit better, but not but not great. Browns and Bills, eh. Eagles and Colts, eh. But so a little better, but not great. The CBS slate uh, at uh, next weekend for week 11. Next, week eleven, by the way, that's it's Fox's turn to get screwed with the bad schedule. Fa Bears and Falcons, Panthers and Ravens, which will be over by the end of the body by uh, halftime. Uh, Commanders and Texans, yuck. Uh, Raiders and Broncos, the four oh five game on Fox, uh uh. And Rams and Saints at one on Fox, uh uh. Lions and Giants, uh uh. So week eleven, it's Fox's turn to get the horse crap schedule. Uh, and CBS uh, theirs gets a little better. Gets a uh, gets a little better. But anyway, getting off the beaten path. As far as Week Ten is concerned, five games to uh, chew on here and preview heading into the weekend. Game number one: Seahawks and Bucks. Uh, Seahawks and Bucks. Seahawks six and three. Buccaneers at four and five. The Seahawks, of course, coming off of their uh, victory. Uh, coming off of their uh, Week 9 victory on the road against the Arizona Cardinals. We discussed on Tuesday Geno Smith's uh, job, of Geno Smith's tremendous job and effort all season long and the tremendous job he did bouncing back and brushing the dirt off his shoulders uh, with uh, throwing the pick six and then he was uh, and then he was uh, a solid uh, solid very and put together a solid uh, impressionable performance the rest of the game against the Arizona, against the Arizona Cardinals last week they're able to run the football tremendously well with Kenneth Walker uh, and they got a and they got a, a very good passing game as well and a very good defense. Not not great. Still has you know work in progress, but but at times has been, has put together a uh, a successful uh, successful uh, slate of uh, performances. The Seattle Seahawks defense has uh, throughout the first uh, few months of the season. On the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side, of course, they come back with Brady, thirty five seconds, sixty yards last week against Tampa, and the, and how he played like utter uh, manure. For the first fifty nine or so minutes of the of the of the game last week against the Rams, and somehow Sway went into vintage Tom Brady mode, picked apart the Rams defense. Receivers caught passes for a change, and they put together an impressionable uh, an impressionable drive uh, at the end of the at the end of the fourth quarter in their victory to end their long losing streak against the Rams 
on us on on Sunday afternoon. They cannot run the football. The advantage running the football by far is with the Seattle Seahawks. Kenneth Walker has had a sensational rookie season for them compared to Leonard Fournette and the fact that this Buccaneer offense has just been completely, completely inept at running the football this season, you can, whether it's bad offensive line play, which also plays a part into it, as well as Brady's been beaten up and been knocked around quite a few times this year. You want to equate to the bad offensive line, the fact that Leonard Fournette maybe doesn't have it anymore. Whatever it is, they cannot run the football uh, worth a lick, uh, which which will create problems for the, for the Tampa Bay offense. In my honest opinion, you know they're going to be throwing the football, be Tom Brady dropping back to pass 80% of the time, which will allow the Seahawks defensive line to tee off on that on that, uh, on that substandard offensive line and allow them to, t- to play tight coverage going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneer receivers. This is a game that Tampa Bay has to win to keep the momentum going heading into, I believe they have a bye week next week, but they need to win this game to keep the momentum going. And to uh, from from that emotional and from that amazing sigh of relief, exhilarating victory they had on Sunday, when you got they have to it in the end, and they may end up winning this division by default. Uh, but they got to keep the momentum going. They, it's just imperative for a team that hasn't had a lot of luck and hasn't had a lot of bright spots in this yuck and and and, and Meyer season. Uh, it's they gotta can they gotta continue. They and yes, they do have a bye week in week eleven, week twelve. Their opponent is at Cleveland, uh, so they gotta keep the momentum going heading into the bye. Go into the bye at five and five, and then come out of it week twelve and find a way to win five games to get to ten and go five and two the rest of the last seven games of this season and win a division at ten and seven host a home playoff game and hope things bounce in the right direction for them to possibly give Brady one last hurrah at winning another uh, another Super Bowl. Then on the Seattle Seahawks side of things, this is a game that that they have to win not only because of the fact that Tampa is a uh, inferior team granted the GOAT compared to Geno Smith at quarterback, but Geno Smith by far is having a much better season, leads the league in passer rating. It's just an absolutely sensational job for Seattle this year. Uh, but they, but Seattle has a better roster than Tampa does. But Seattle needs this game as much as Tampa does simply because of the fact that, that, the, that the San Francisco 49ers, who is everybody's you know second, third, some even first team, top team to to uh, to come out of the NFC and make it to the Super Bowl they're tr- believe it or not they're trailing Seattle in the NFC West at four, with a 4 and 4 record Seattle's at 6 and 2 they got to be able to keep that they got to be able to keep pace and keep that distance between them and uh, and San Francisco uh, one of only two losses that Seattle's, uh, excuse me, Seattle's six and three, not six and two, but uh, they got to be able to keep that distance between them and San Francisco, especially because San Francisco has a doesn't they? I think they can win against uh, against the Chargers. Don't get me wrong, I get to them get to that game a little bit later on, but they got to they they cannot afford when you're in when you've had a, the impressive season that the Seahawks have had thus far. And uh, granted, in a weak conference, but when you're in first place in early November and nobody expected you to be here, and a team that's chasing you as everybody's hot pick to make it to the Super Bowl, it's imperative that you do not lie down, you do not collapse, you don't, 
granted, nobody expects you to win six games, but when you, but like I said with the Bengals last year, if you're in the dance, if you're invited to the dance and you've proven yourself that you're worthy enough to be invited to the dance, you might as well show up and dance and dance your ass off and be the best damn per and be the best damn dancer on the dance floor. Uh, regardless who, regardless who's there, regardless who's watching you, it just doesn't matter. Seahawks got to prove to the world and prove to the rest of the league that, albeit in fair Tampa team, they can beat Tampa, they can beat the Bucks, they can make the Goats' life a living hell. Get to seven wins, only two wins away from clinching an above five hundred record, and a, and making life a little bit harder for San Francisco to win the division, and making them do what do what they did last year, and that's trying to find their way back to the AFC, excuse me, to the NFC Championship game via a wild card spot, and Seattle with a home playoff game in their building would do them tremendous favors again, and I like I discussed in the monologue, not a Super Bowl contender. But if things break right for him, it would be a hell of a lot easier path to make it to the Super Bowl, at least to an NFC Championship game, whether it's against Philadelphia or against the Vikings with a home playoff game with the 12th man getting loud. Rather than going on, rather than going on the road to play Philly or going on the road to play uh, Minnesota or going on the road to play San Francisco. Or to play Tampa if they were to crash into them again, because I believe in that scenario the the two places seven to three places six and the four plays the five. Granted, they have tiebreaker over the Giants, but I'm just bringing it up for the sake of conversation. But if you want to be proven seriously and taken seriously as an NFC playoff contender, get to seven and three. Make life harder for the for the 49ers who've had to chase you essentially all season long. Granted, you lost to San Francisco on the road, but they've been chasing you in the standings all season long up until this point. Beat Tampa uh, when they try to stop the run. Do it. Many teams have been able to do it. And that's fine. Success and stop and and uh, and making sure uh, Leonard Fournette doesn't get a yard. Uh, get after Tom Brady with an interior with an interior pass rush. Don't play soft zone against him because he picks it apart. Good tight man coverage and uh, make him sweat, make him get frustrated. And who knows? You might walk out of there winning that game 17, 17 to nine or twenty one uh, or twenty one to uh, six. So this is a game also for for the Seahawks. Not a lot of pressure to outscore Tampa. As long as you keep their offense at bay, keep them out of the end zone, you know, and keep them under 17 points, you got a hell of a chance to win. You know, this is a game that that's all Seattle has to do is make a couple of plays offensively, and they could win this. And they could win this game, like I said, 17 to three, or uh, or or 17 to 10. We're 17 nothing. So as long as Geno is able to play mistake-free football, which he has for the majority of the season, no fumbles, limit the interceptions, no pick. And, and against this Tampa team, even though with that, as bad as they are with that quarterback, you can't give them gifts. No pick sixes. Because if there's any recipe for disaster, all it takes is for Brady to put together one or two great drives in the game and, and that's what fourteen points and a pick six makes it twenty one and you're dead. So mistake free football from Geno, be able to run the football, control the clock, 
keep Tom Brady on the sideline uh, for as long as for as long as you possibly can. Because another thing that does, that does Tampa no favors is when their offense is out of sorts and out of sync. What makes it worse is when they're on the field and have many a time to think about it. You control the clock and the minimal opportunities they have to right their wrongs and go and have the ball in their hands and march down the field and they're able to score points. So control the clock, take care of the football, and the Seahawks will be okay. That game, by the way, 9.30 Eastern time over in Munich, Germany. I've screamed and, and bitched and yelled about the uh, about the international games, how much I can't stand them, the games in Europe. Europe, unfair to the players, unfair to the coaches, upsetting their body clock and their body skills will go across the pond and play a football game to make the damn uh, billionaire owners a fortune. I can't stand it. It makes me sick. I'll never, for once in a once in a while, I, I maybe, but you'll be you'll fail to convince me that Europe, which is which in which soccer rules the roost over there, you'll be hard pressed to convince me that they are just foaming at the mouth and are dying to get to the stadium, to to their local stadium to watch a uh, to watch a. Uh, a, watch gridiron American football. I have a hard time. Maybe want maybe maybe this game because it is because it's Tom Brady because it is Tom Brady. But you have to you put uh you put a per you put Dolphins and Bills in Germany and see if it has the same boost. I don't I don't think that it will. And it's I, I have not to mention how unfair is it to the Seattle Seahawks fan. Bad enough, you know, if this game was being played in Tampa, they had to wake up at about nine nine. Not early. It's it's not early in terms of, you know, waking up. It's early to be, you know, watching a sporting event. Ten o'clock now they do it all the time. Granted, don't get me wrong, when they did it when the Seahawks played uh, played the Saints in week five and they did it when they had to uh play when they played the Lions earlier this season. So it's not like that they're not used to it, but they gotta wake up at ten o'clock in the morning local time and watch the Seahawks play when they're playing in the in the central or the eastern time zone. Now you're making them get up at what six thirty? As the sun's coming up, they gotta six o'clock, six thirty. Some if it takes them a minute to get themselves moving, five o'clock, five thirty local time to watch the Seahawks play for three hours. I mean, really? Blow off church, blow off you know. Uh, you know, blow off brunch for a good few hours to sit to sit and watch and kick and scream at the Seahawks. Really? Really? West Co- local time. They're a West Coast team. My brother, who you know will be, I don't know. God bless him. He entertains and he takes care of and watches over you know the the uh, the the children at you know at church at the little daycare thing my, my local church as god bless him but he he's in, in between burping babies and changing shitty diapers he's watching this he's watching uh Gino Smith march down the field in Germany uh trying to avoid uh via via uh, uh, in Germany at at about 10:12 in the morning on on his little on his little cell phone i mean really and a Seahawks fan three hours back west, you know, still wiping the crust out of his eyes, half asleep, you know, watching watching uh, Tom Brady go three and out, watch, watching Tom Brady go three and out, failing to move the ball down the field against the, his, his uh, Seattle Seahawks defense. Kenneth Walker running rampant and running the, uh, the Bucks out the building in Munich. Really? Half asleep, you know, dragging their ass. 
after they stayed up to you know after they stayed up to all hours of the night watching college football, partying, getting high, drinking, or whatever they were doing with their Saturday night. Waking up at six thirty to watch the Seahawks game. Game's over by what? Uh, nine thirty to nine thirty ish, ten o'clock. Granted, got the rest of the NFL to watch, but it's like I mean, you got the rest of your day. Okay, so we watched the Seahawks game. Now what? And with football, you know, it's it's an event. It's it takes up your whole day. So I always hated the 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 uh, the the international games as we've discussed. And putting the Seahawks playing an international game is just adds extra soul on a wound. But anyway, I'm yelling. I'm not. I'm quote unquote old man screaming at clouds when it comes to that. Uh, when it comes to uh, that specific uh, that specific topic. But uh, that's game number one. Game number two is the uh, Vikings and the Bills, and it looks like that Josh Allen is uh, questionable. He has not practiced throughout the majority. Uh, throughout the majority of this week. Uh, he didn't practice on Thursday. Questionable. Uh, he's listed as questionable for the game on Sunday. Be very surprised if he played dealing with UCL issues. He uh, he sustained in the back end of their loss on Sunday against the Jets. If so, it'll be a good old uh, reunion. Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs, who of course two men who don't have to buy another drink as long as they live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the uh, famous Ma- uh, Minnesota miracle combination in which they, in that uh, miracle, in that great game, and that miracle finish in which they knocked off the Saints in a 17 NFC divisional playoff game, which took them to the uh, 2017 NFC championship game, which they were 1-1 away of hosting the uh, Super Bowl within in their own building at U.S. Bank Stadium, but a good old reunion between them, between those two going up against their old team and the Metis- and the high flying Minnesota Vikings who haven't looked back, ironically enough, since they played the Eagles uh, way back in Week Two in September on that Monday night. Um, but in short, it looks like Josh Allen, who's listening as questionable, the chances of him playing come uh the chances of him playing come uh Sunday afternoon look slim to none. This is a game that the Bills though as bad as I mean the Allen injury could not have came more ill-timed uh, than it is right now because because the like and like I said with breaking down, you know, the surprising teams and and the, and and who's good and who's bad in the AFC. This is a game that the that the Bills have to win. Because only a game separates them between them and Miami. And Miami won last Sunday. Bills didn't, obviously, of course. Throw in the fact throw in the fact that um that uh that, that the Dolphins have the tiebreaker as of right now over Buffalo within the within the AFC East. And Miami has a two and zero, and Miami has a one and one record within the AFC East. No, it's checked that they have a two and one record. They beat the Patriots, they beat Buffalo, and they lost to the Jets. They have a two and one record within the AFC East, and the uh, and the Buffalo Bills have an zero and two record. So this this loss, not having Josh Allen, could not have been more ill timed. Because if they lose and Miami takes care of business against. Uh, against Cleveland on Sunday, they're out of first place and out of that number one seed in the AFC in the AFC. And I do believe that if 
And I do believe with six, they would be six and three. The Dolphins would be, let me see, would be seven and three. And the Kansas City wins would be seven and three. I don't know. I guess it would have to go to who has the better conference record, I would imagine. Uh, I would imagine. And the Chiefs, they two losses are to, uh, are to, uh, well, it would be, uh, it can't see we have a number one seed because they, because they, ha they would be seven and two and the Dolphins would be seven and three and the one extra loss would hurt Miami instead of, uh, hurting. Okay. So Kansas city would be the number one seed. And the Dolphins would be in first place. Buffalo would fall out, would be a wild card spot. And I believe Tennessee would be, uh, no, not Tennessee. Dolphins would be the two seed over the Ravens, who would still be stuck at the three because the because the Dolphins beat the Ravens head to head. Long and short of it is that the Josh Allen uh, injury it spells low key panic mode for the Buffalo Bills. And in a game that, which when at least this time last week you looked at, it was like, well, Buffalo has a chance to stop the Vikings in a high-flying winning streak in their tracks. It doesn't look like it so much. Granted, Keenum and Stephon Diggs back like they never left. But, I mean, the, the, the Bills' last two games, as we discussed, gave up over 200 rushing yards to the uh, to the uh, Green Bay Packers last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, and then led up over 170 yards to the Jets on Sunday. I mean, they may it may not be the Justin Jefferson show with uh, Kirk Cousins and the crew. They get that Dalvin Cook could have himself a career game, 20 something carries for a buck oh five, and uh, control the clock, keep the Buffalo Bills offense on the sidelines, and steal a page out of the Jets' playbook. And they win this game 27 13. With the Bills' inability over the last two weeks to stop the run, no Josh Allen to bring them back, and that's your ball game right there. So the Buffalo Bills, it's imperative. Even that, even more so with no Josh with Josh Allen being hurt and looks like he may not be able to play. If he does play, he's going to have a bad elbow, and his team does not run the football exponentially well. It's going to be imperative that the Buffalo Bills uh, stop the Vikings stop the Vikings rushing attack and are be able to get off the field, force three and outs, and quiet down this high flying Minnesota Vikings offense. And if you're the Vikings, exploit the uh, Bills' inability to stop the run. And just buff and and return and do what the Buffalo Bills have done to a lot of teams, and that's just run up and down the field, score touchdowns, run the football. Kirk Cousins limit the mistakes and uh, and and just dominate your way to victory without even giving it a second thought. So, so, but that Vikings Bills game, a game that the Vikings need in order by some miracle, if the uh, if the Eagles are going to collapse, because remember the Eagle, if they do have the same record, uh, the Viking the the uh, Eagles would would uh, have the advantage because they beat the Vikings head to head. Of course, going all the way back in week two, so the so the Vikings, if they still want to hold out hope to getting that bye and home fit advantage, they can't lose the rest of the season. And they because they got to keep pace with the Eagles, and then the Bills in turn, you know, they lose on they lose to the Vikings, and the and the they lose to the Vikings, and the Dolphins win bye bye first place, and they fall all the way down to a wild card spot, and the Dolphins move up and get, and become the two seed right behind the uh, Kansas City Chiefs if they win on Sunday, 
and uh, and the Ravens would be the three seed, and Tennessee would stay put uh, at the four, and the uh, and the uh, Buffalo would become the five, and the Jets, I believe, no, they might even fall down to the six, because the bill because the Bills are six and two, and the Jets are six and three. But if the Jets are six and three and the Bills lose, which means the Bills will be six and three, which means that the which means that Buffalo would fall all the way down to the sixth seed, if I'm not mistaken. Jets would leapfrog them at the five. Jets would have the Jets would have the five. Bills would have the six. And I believe the seventh would be uh, still in possession of the Chargers unless they lose to the 49ers at five and would drop to five and four. Maybe. Because Cincinnati, they only have, out of their five wins, they only have two. Out of their five wins, they only have two in conference. Then Cincinnati has an in conference record. Of let me check and see. Cincinnati has an in-conference record of uh, of uh, two and three, and the Chargers is four and two. So the Chargers, with the loss, would still hold the seventh seed in the AFC. But the Bills would fall all the way down to the six. The Jets will move up to the five. The Dolphins would get first place and get the two spot in the AFC. Chiefs would move up to the one, and the Ravens would stay play would stay put. Even if a win, if Miami wins, they would still stay put uh, at the three because they lost to the Dolphins head to head. And all of that, ladies and gentlemen, I did in my head and looking at the standings and looked at the conference record. But the Bills need this game. They need it, even with Allen, even without Allen. They need it just as much as the Vikings do to keep pace with Philadelphia. Game number three: Cowboys and Packers. And I won't even spend a lot of time at this game because, like I said, I declared the Packers dead. DOA. The Cowboys need it to stay in the thick of things with the uh, with the NFC wild card push, uh, and the, and the Packers if they want any hope of somehow, some way, stealing the seventh seed which at this point right now is in possession of the 49ers, uh, they would have to, and the Commanders hold a tiebreaker over the Packers and the uh, Falcons and the Rams have a better conference record than the Packers do. The three teams that they would have to leapfrog on top of San Francisco. They want any hope of saving their season. They need this game against uh, the Cowboys. And I anticipate the Cowboys uh, defense, like I said in the beginning, to make Aaron Rodgers' life a living hell. Twenty. This has a 21-3 victory in favor of Dallas all over it, in my honest, humble opinion. Uh, the Chargers and the 49ers, the Sunday night football game, like I said, Chargers are in a position, granted, in the AFC, you know, they would love to win the division, and they're only a game out of first place behind Kansas City. And if the Jaguars were to upset 
They, and they, even if the Jaguars were upset and the Chargers would win, the Chiefs, the Chiefs would still, the Chiefs would still remain in first place via tiebreaker with their win law with their loss to them back in Week Two. But if the Chargers still want to stay in the thick of things in the AFC West, they need this game against San Francisco, albeit they still would be in great shape with the wild card because they have a better they have a better in conference record than my Cincinnati Bengals do. Who are currently sitting as the eight and, and better record also the, than the New England Patriots, who are the eighth and ninth seeds in the AFC uh, in the AFC wildcard chase in this moment in time, uh, in this moment in time right now. So the Chargers, if they want to keep pace, Kansas City need to win, but no harm, no foul if they don't fight and drop the five and four, and the Patriots who play the who have a bye week this week. Uh, who have a bye week this week would be at five and four, and let's see, and they haven't played each other head to head, so and it still would have a four and two in conference record, so I would think that they would still stay put the seventh seed. But if again, if they want to win win the West, I suggest they just they win every game they possibly can. Also, coming opponent if they if the Chargers split. With Kansas City, and they beat them in their own building in Week 11 next week, uh, and they can they have the same regular season record. You come down a common opponent. Chiefs beat San Francisco uh, and beat them by a lot. So, the common opponent would also help well with tiebreakers as well. Uh, taking care of business against San Francisco on Sunday. Meanwhile, San Francisco needs this game. And granted, you know, if the Bucks and Tampa are able to uh, stop the red hot uh, Seattle Seahawks, uh, it would help. It would do tremendous favors for uh, San Francisco, who are trying to chase Seattle in the NFC, who are currently sitting in first place with a six and three record. They dropped the six and four if they were to lose Sunday morning to the uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it would and it would only cut down the the Seahawks lead in first place down to a half a game. They have a one and a half game lead over San Francisco. A Seahawks loss six and four. A 49ers win to make it five and four, but bring it only down to a half game lead in first place, which would do which it would be a which would be an utter godsend for uh, San Francisco here in this here in the back end of the season. Comes down to this game: Can the 49ers stop the run and Austin Eckler? How well will the will the Charger defense be able to stop the run in turn? Stopping uh, Chris McCaffrey, who's who's had an absolutely sensational first few weeks at San Francisco 49er. Depleted defense. How? What weapons will you hold in check? You got I. You got uh, and let me check the uh, and let me check the injury report. But you got Ayuk. You have Sam, you have Ayuk, uh, Samuel. Uh, and uh, you got Ayuk, Samuel, and of course, uh, CMC throwing George Kittle. A lot of we- three weapons, no, four weapons. How will the Chargers defense hold up and and picking their poison and what weapons they will choose to uh, and what weapons they'll choose to stop? Al Shair expected to return for this game, coming off of uh, coming off of IR. Armstead is out with a foot, uh, and uh, he, and, and, and Sam and Beckwiam, their defensive end, is, did not practice on Thursday. Doubtful week ten with a quad uh, with a uh, quad injury. So the San Francisco 49ers are a little beat up on the defensive side of the football, but I expect their offense to carry the load 
uh, and the, and for them to do a for them to do a good job up against the, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers uh, defense and the Chargers they got to keep up with San Francisco score for score and pick their poison and whatever poison they pick they damn sure better make sure that they stop it and uh, make Jimmy Garoppolo's life a living hell back behind center and then finally the Commanders and the Eagles this game I think is intriguing because I do like the commander's chances of upsetting the Eagles in this game. Uh, with uh, Philadelphia, I did not like the way they came out of the gate all, way back uh, in the Thursday night victory over Houston. They slept walk through the game, lacked emotion, lacked that championship-level fire that we've seen from them throughout the majority of the season this year. And with the long layoff, which can be a curse as much as it can be a blessing, you know, commanders trying to get the bad taste out of their mouth, falling just short to the Vikings on Sunday. And Heineke, that wild card who's played well, in, not just the season, but in his NFL career, has uh, got who plays that underdog Tim Tebow, Nick Foles-esque role as well as anybody. Be look, he and that team will be looking for a cause. And keep in mind, it's the same crew that uh, the majority of them that knocked off the once undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers two years ago walked into uh, Heinz Field and uh, and knocked the uh, Steelers off their high horse and they were in a downward spiral the rest of the season. I don't anticipate the downward spot the downward spiral happening because this Eagles team this year is a much 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 better team than that Pittsburgh Steelers team was two years ago. But like I said, this Eagles team is not uh, is not going to finish seventeen and zero in my eyes because there's because something about them they're they're waiting waiting just a matter of time till they get picked off. They can because of their schedule the the rest of the year, but the Commanders are a live team heading into this game on Monday night. Nobody expects them to win. More often, more you know, there's a good chance that they'll be the odd man out in the NFC wild card chase because there's so many good because it's a, because it looks like you'll have three teams out of the division make the playoffs with the dat with Dallas, the Giants, and of course Philadelphia, and then the two in the West with the 49ers and San Francisco. Or excuse me, the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. So four and five, nobody gives them a chance. The, the issues with. Uh, you know the issues with with poor Robinson getting dragged into the the franchise's foolishness, get, getting sued this week, and this team always trying to overcome and 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 turn the blind eye and overcome the distraction that is playing and being a part of that organization and the damn good culture with Dan Snyder up at ownership. So they're looking for a cause. They're going to be motivated to try to, you know, find a distraction and trying to put their heads down and win a football game despite everything that's going on around them. That black cloud that's continuing to hovering over that franchise. They they're a live team heading into this game on um on Monday night. And if the Eagles aren't careful and don't send a message to Washington early, you know, be prepared to win your first loss of the season and potentially get booed off the field at halftime. That's all I'm saying. We take a break. We'll get the week 10. The picks, that is. This is the I'm Telling Like a TIS podcast. Back in a flash to wrap up the show.
Welcome back to the Amatel Like a T.I.S. podcast. Good show today. Football heavy, but hey, November. It's uh, it's the month where uh, football, eh, where it, it shares the stage by default with the baseball playoffs in uh, October. But with the baseball playoffs out of the way, uh, you know, you got college football start, or excuse me, college basketball started up earlier this week. Uh, and you got you know you got your favorite and you got your winter sports to keep you occupied on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, uh, and Friday nights. College football rules the day on Saturday, uh, and of course uh, Thursday night football you know is is minute in the spotlight with your with your NBA and NHL action on Thursday nights, depending on the matchup. Of course, last night. Uh, that one, that one, there wasn't that many people tapped into Falcons and Panthers, of course. And then Monday night game, if it's good, uh, because it is, uh, the, the legacy of Monday night football also gets its, uh, limelight, uh, as well. Uh, but a busy show. I'm pretty sure we'll tap into a couple of MLB items next week. Of course, recap the week 10 games. Uh, and whatever items in college football within the world of sports that pop up, I'll uh, make sure we'll give you a, a good show here for you uh, next week. By the way, next Friday, we will have the one and only great urinating tree back on the show. First time in a while, we'll get him on to uh, preview the Bengals Steelers coming up this weekend. He give a little bit of a State of the Union through the first half and a week of the 2022 NFL season. Get his thoughts week 11 preview with him as well and get his two cents on the uh, and a quick little wrap-up of the uh, 2022 uh, MLB uh, playoffs and World Series uh, as well. So he will join us on the program coming up uh, next, uh, Friday, uh, show. So let's see, have yearning tree next Friday, the week 10 recap to look forward to yours. Surely for me, find a couple games to, uh, recap, dissect, analyze, and scream about for next week. And right now the week 10 picks against the spread in the league where they play for pay. Game number one, obviously, first on the slate between the Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Seattle Seahawks, of course, coming off their aforementioned road victory against the Arizona Cardinals. Bucks coming off the last second victory over the defending Super Bowl champion Rams last week. Uh, you have uh, Marquise Goodwin, groin limited in practice on Thursday, questionable for Week 10. Just an injury on Seattle to uh, anticipate, or excuse me, to uh, keep an eye on. And Tampa, you have, uh, of course, uh, Giovanni Bernard. If that does anything for the running game, I doubt it. Uh, expected return this week. Uh, Cameron Brake tight end with a neck questionable to return on Sunday. 6-3 and three Seahawks, 4-5 and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay's favorite minus 2.5. Give me the Seattle Seahawks to win this game by the final score of 24-13. 
you have next game on the slate, the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City last time out took care of business in an ugly overtime victory over the Tennessee Titans last week as the uh, as they play host to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars coming off of a comeback victory against the Chiefs division rival uh, Los Angeles Los Angeles uh, Vegas Raiders give me the give me the Kansas City Chiefs to take care of business and win this game by the final score of 35 to 21 the Houston Texans Walking to the Meadowlands, Giants coming off of a bye week at six and two. Texans six, or excuse me, one six and one. The Texans coming off of a uh, week nine loss uh, a few Thursday nights ago against the Giants division rival Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night football. Giants coming off of the bye week, last game out week eight. They lost on the road to the Seattle Seahawks. Giants favorite minus four and a half. Giants favorite minus four and a half. Over under is at 40 and a half. Give me the Giants to win this game by the final score of 24 to 14. You move things ahead with the New Orleans Saints, who are two and a half point favorites, taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Saints lost to the uh, Steelers division rival Baltimore earlier this week on Monday Night Football. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh coming off of a bye trying to right the ship. They get TJ Watt back, which is a huge which is a huge, huge boost for their defense and need desperate need of a pass rush, which has been non-existent uh, through the uh, through the first half of their season. Uh, you uh, William Jackson the third out this week with a back injury. Uh, TJ Watt coming back. Witherspoon with a hamstring out for week ten. Expected to return next week against the Bengals. Meanwhile, the Saints. Have uh, Hardy, who was uh, De- uh, Deontay uh, Hardy, expected to return off of a foot injury this week against Pittsburgh, and uh, Mark Ingram MCL injury in his knee out this week for the Saints. Give me this uh, Pittsburgh Steelers to bounce back and win this game in an ugly fashion by the final score of 22 10. The Detroit Lions head to Chicago in the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears. Bears gave the uh, Falcons all they the Falcons the Dolphins all they could handle last week in a 35-32 loss. Detroit coming off of a uh, draining defensive battle against the uh, hated Green Bay Packers last week as they try to get a try to get their first uh, road win of their 2022. Uh, season. Meanwhile, the Chicago Bears, who have fought hard and have played well the last two weeks, or excuse me, the last three weeks, are one and two in their last three games. Up their offenses showed up. Give me the Chicago Bears to win this game against that god awful Detroit Lions defense by the final score of 31 to 21. Moving things ahead with the uh, Cleveland Browns, who are three and a half point underdogs. Taking on the Miami Dolphins, Dolphins six and three. The Browns are three and five. The Dolphins coming off of their aforementioned road victory at road victory at Chicago last week, while the Browns coming off of a uh, coming off of um, their uh, uh, did they have a bye last week? Yes, they did have a bye last week. Last time out, week eight, beat the living piss out of my Cincinnati Bengals at home on Halloween night on Monday Night Football. Uh, Ford uh, expect to return for the uh, Browns week 10 
Also, a, anticipating the return of Jesse James this week. Um, uh, Robinson, undisclosed, did not practice. Reggie Robinson, the second, uh, questionable for Week 10, uh, going up against Miami on the Miami Dolphins side of things. They got uh, Mackenzie Alexander, questionable, with a groin injury. Uh, Armstead, with a toe, did not practice today, questionable, heading into their game. Uh, expect to return uh, Carter and Connor, the two tight ends. Uh, kind of questionable, limited in practice on Friday, uh, just to uh, name a few injuries for the uh, for the Miami Dolphins. I believe the Dolphins take care of business, three and a half point favorites, and win this game by the final score of twenty four to twenty one. The Minnesota Vikings, six points underdogs, taking on the big, bad Buffalo Bills, who at this moment in time right now may not have uh, Josh Allen questionable with the UCL injury. The Vikings have not lost the game since their week two loss at Philadelphia. Seven and one took care of business last week against the uh, against the Washington Commanders on the road. Bills licking their wounds, coming off of a uh, frustrating road loss at the hands of the Jets last week. Josh Young at this moment in time is listed as questionable, limited in practice walkthrough on, excuse me, limited in practice on Friday, did not practice on Thursday with an elbow injury. Uh, you also, uh, Elam, who had, who did not practice on Friday as well, has an ankle injury, doubtful for week 10. Uh, Jordan Poyer, Rose, uh, Greg Rousseau, uh, who are both out this week. Poyer with an elbow, Rousseau with a uh, ankle, expected return for week 11. Stevenson expected to return this week. Elam did not practice on Friday. He, uh, Elam did not practice on Friday. He is doubtful for this week against Minnesota. Tough game. Kirk Cousins going up against the ex, uh, Viking, uh, I would assume, and have not the uh, uh, Bills push the envelope with Allen going up against Case Keenum. Tough game, six-point spread. I got the Vikings improving to 8-1 and one and winning this game by the final score of 28-17. Moving things ahead with the Denver Broncos. And the Tennessee Titans, the Titans, three-point favorites, taking on Denver Broncos coming off the bye week. Week eight, the Broncos got the job done in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars, while the Tennessee Titans coming off of a heartbreaking loss, a game they had in their hands but let slip away in the second half against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night last week. They return home at 5-3. and three. Broncos coming off a of bye trying to uh, fix the uh, momentum in the direction of the ship at 3-5. and five. Titans are two and a half, uh, three point, fa- two and a half to three point favorites. Give me the uh, Tennessee Titans to uh, win this game by in a defensive slugfest by the final score of seventeen to fourteen. The Indianapolis Colts and Jeff Saturday's first game as an NFL head coach. The uh, aforementioned widely discussed uh, controversial hire as his Indianapolis Colts fly west to take on the six-and-a-half-point favorite Vegas Raiders, who are coming off of yet another double-digit uh, double uh, loss, at the hand, this time at the hands of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Colts 
uh, just on a road to nowhere. Sam Ellinger sacked nine times in their road loss to New England Patriots last week as they try to get the job done uh, and trying to get Jeff Saturday's first win against the Vegas Raiders. There will be no uh, Hunter. There will be no Perryman, who was limited in practice on Friday with a hip injury. Their linebacker questionable for Week 10. And it looks like there will be no uh, Waller for uh, no Waller, of course, placed on injured reserve earlier this week uh, with a uh, hamstring problem. Tough game to pick because both of these because these are some bad football teams. But I'll take the Vegas Raiders to get the job done and win the game by the final score of 27 to 10. The Rams are three-point favorites. And their season is on life support, coming off of a heartbreaking, inexcusable last-second loss to the uh, substandard Tampa Bay Buccaneers, while the Cardinals are uh, licking their wounds, coming off of their uh, loss at home to the Seattle Seahawks. Give me the Arizona Cardinals to get the job done and stick a and stick a knife through the Rams and end their season by the final score of. Uh, 24 to 17. Rams three-point favorites. Move things ahead to the Dallas Cowboys, who are five-point favorites, taking on the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay lost last time out at the hands of the Detroit Lions defense and Aaron Rodgers in aptitude as they try to save their season, which is also on the brink, going up against the Dallas Cowboys, who are flying right now. Coming off of uh, Dallas Cowboys right now, who are currently sitting at six and two, coming off of their bye, look, they took care of business in Week Eight last time out against the uh, against the Chicago Bears at home. The uh, San Francisco, or excuse me, the Dallas Cowboys. Their defense is is just absolutely on fire. Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, and the crew. Meanwhile, the Green Bay Packers struggle to move the ball downfield against the league's worst defense. Uh, David Bakhtiari, their tackle, limited in practice today, questionable with a knee injury. Uh, Campbell, their inside linebacker, he is out with a knee injury. Randall Cobb expected to return in week 11. Barnes with a concussion did not practice on Friday. Their linebacker, he is doubtful for week 10. Uh, meanwhile, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Zika Elliott with an MCL injury, limit him in practice this week. He is questionable for their week 10 matchup, but I don't think it'll matter. The Dallas Cowboys get the job done and beat the Green Bay Packers. Shades of the Ice Bowl in 1967. I understand they didn't win, but it's still a matchup back in Green Bay. Of course, the rematch of that 2014 divisional playoff game. Dez did catch it, not in the ref size, and the Green Bay Packers ended up stealing that game, of course, eight years ago. But giving the Dallas Cowboys to win this game by the final score of 28-10 over the Green Bay Packers. The Los Angeles Chargers are seven-point underdogs coming into this game after their last-second victory over the Atlanta Falcons on the road last week as they uh, go to Santa Clara, California and Levi Stadium to take on the San Francisco 49ers who are coming off of, uh, who are coming off of themselves a, uh, who are coming off of a victory uh, last week. Up against the, uh, I, who did the 49ers play last week? I normally am good at this, 
uh, but it seemed to slip my mind who they play. Let me go back and check. They, um, who did they have? They had a bye week last week, and they ended up winning the week before against the Rams. They had a bye week last week, uh, had a bye week last week, and coming off of a victory against the Rams at 4-4. Four and four. Uh, but I will pick the San Francisco 49ers to uh, win this game by the final score of 31-17. Seven-point favorites. And finally, the Philadelphia Eagles 11-point favorites. Potential trap game coming off of their Thursday night victory against the Houston Texans. Washington uh, coming off of their loss last week at home against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game and a close one by the final score of 27-24. And those, ladies and gentlemen, are your week 10 picks against the spread. Went so long there that my uh, that my uh, picks music playlist ran out. But we always have Justin Timberlake to take us to the end of the show and if you're new to the program and like what you heard please do not hesitate to subscribe follow your boy on twitter and instagram at the j shield follow the show on twitter at amatella underscore it is and the show on instagram at amatella underscore podcast have a great weekend everybody stay safe be well i'll talk to you tuesday see you